I'd like to think that even having my book in your home, on your desk, it's got a beautiful cover. Like it looks brilliant. I, I love the way it looks. It's pink, it's blue, it stands out. It says mental health on the title. Even just having the book alone might just serve as a reminder for people to prioritise their mental health. On the 30th of September, you will be able to get your hands on a new book, Mental Health at Work, uh, written by James Routledge, the founder of Sanctus. And today we are talking to James all about the book, the process of writing it and why he has written it. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a little bit of technology news. Joining me all the way from her sisters. I don't know why you're at your sisters, Amber, but you are. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. I tell you why I want my sisters, because a couple of reasons, actually. So first of all, we decided to go out for a drink. Uh, you'll be not surprised. Um, yes, yes. Why is it my co-hosts are always hung over? Like, um, a couple of weeks ago, every episode. Never mind. Ah, uh, so that was the first reason, but it wasn't. It yep. was like a big night out. It was just very much a, a kind of casual Thursday drink. And then the yep. second is because I've got my MOT today, and it's really close to her house. So I thought I'd just sort of dip uh, in here. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that that passes. Um, out of interest, mm. does your sister live near your parents? She, yes, yeah, she does actually. Yeah, re- relatively close. Yeah, snubbed, snubbed your parents in favour of your sister. That might not go down well. Well, I know. Hopefully, they don't listen to this because, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'll be in trouble. Um, no, I, I just, I tell you what, because my parents are really, really, they go to bed so early, which you know is absolutely fine. But I don't basically, so I feel like. <laughs> If I was to stay there, I'd probably be tucked up in bed at about quarter to nine, which just does or not... Or sneaking in, kind of reliving yeah. your, your 15, 16-year-old self. Exactly. So, yeah, it just wouldn't fit with my routine. So I thought, yeah. um, you know what, my sister uh, stays up a little bit later as well. So I'll, I'll kind of um, just dip in there for the evening. Good plan. Um, making choices and sticking with them, is a bit, or, or maybe owning choices and realising when they've gone wrong, is part of today's talk um not that i'm saying that any of your choices are wrong amber but there we go uh james <laughs> james routledge uh the founder of sanctus he's got a book out um it's uh, out on the 30th so just six days time from now mental health at work we'll hand over to this interview we'll come back with some comments on it afterwards today i'm joined by james routledge james you are a founder you're an author you're an advocate talking about mental health and you've got a book, as I said, you're an author, you've got a book out um, called Mental Health at Work. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm still getting used to being called an author and calling myself an author, actually. So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to hear it from from you. Well, look, published by Penguin, so definitely. I mean, it's not even, this isn't self-published, this is this is proper published. This is this is this is. Um, I, I think I think you need to get over that because there's no there's no getting away from it now. No, no, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, where do you introduce yourself then? Just out of interest, is it is it now mainly <laughs> book orientated or is it still the business? Obviously, uh, which is I assume your everyday kind of. Existence? I mean that that is such a good question. That is honestly so on point. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm very much going through a bit of a. Um, bit of a shift really I suppose in in how I talk about myself how I how I identify I suppose um 
yeah, I've always for the last five years, it's just been founder of Sanctus, founder of Sanctus. That's been my, that's been my go-to. And then now mm-hmm. I've written a book and I've always talked about mental health. I've always written. I've had a newsletter for five years that's quite well subscribed to that I've written sort of fortnightly, probably on average, always been quite outspoken on LinkedIn, done a lot of public speaking, but that's kind of always been in the background and building a business was in the foreground. And then now I think there's a switch happening where the, you know, being a founder and a business builder is probably a bit more in the background and then being more of more of a public facing person is in the foreground. So yeah, very timely question for me. Obviously to Penguin, it will matter, I suppose, how well this does. But to you, does does it really matter how well the book does? Honestly, I was just absolutely delighted to get a book deal. Genuinely. Yeah. Getting, getting the book deal and, and feeling like my voice was recognised and by someone credible was, was a really great feeling. Building a business and advocating mental health for so long and obviously getting lots of great feedback on social media. That's one thing that is good about social media is you can get instantaneous feedback. If people like your, what you're saying and comment on it, you can see that almost instantly. And that's, that's, that can be good. It can be a bit dangerous, obviously. And people know more now about the dangers of seeking external validation on social media, but it can also be a really great way to create dialogue and conversation with people. So yeah, genuinely, just to get asked, I was absolutely delighted. It wasn't something I massively expected. Um, and even now, like I got got my first copies in my hands the other day. I was just absolutely delighted to get a copy, really. So obviously, I want it to do well. I want it to sell well. I've I've got a competitive side where I'd love it to. I'd love it to be one of the best sellers of that the Penguin Business Expert series, but I genuinely do feel quite detached from the outcome, which, yeah, which I do think is a good thing. So let's let's rewind a bit and give a bit of context. So you dropped out of university after two years or during your second year yeah. to found a business. Um, match chat and now? Yeah, it was... It was a social network for live sport. That was that was what the business was supposed to be. Never really had a soul, to be honest. It was more of a pursuit of trying something new. I was bored at yeah. university. I wanted something different. I didn't want to go into the grad scheme world, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I met George and a couple of others at university. We all had this entrepreneurial streak and just wanted to give something a go. So... There was a there was there was like a youthful exuberant naivety to it, which was genuine, but then there was also something quite hollow about it, really, because there was just no there was no problem we were solving. There was no real passion for the content of the business. I just wanted mm. to start a business. There must have been some promise though for you to drop out, like to, for this not even to be something that you were doing kind of going, right, let's build it during our studies and then when we graduate, we can put our time into it. But to go, no, let's let's call time on studies and focus on this. Well, it was 2012 and the whole startup ecosystem was beginning to really burgeon in the UK. Mm-hmm. There, there was the SEIS tax relief coming in, so investment was a little bit more available. 
everyone was getting quite excited that great returns could be made by investing in young entrepreneurial people. And I think we ticked a lot of boxes in terms of the makeup of our team and the fact that we were young and passionate and sort of well-spoken. We could present ourselves quite well. So yeah, we raised capital fairly easy, um, seed capital anyway. Yeah, and that was that made it obviously worth it for me to drop out. But to turn it from anything beyond that, that's where that's where we failed, really. So that unfortunately failed. You then spent a year uh, at potential VC, uh, helping set up a uh, an investor syndicate. Yeah. Um, your LinkedIn states that that wasn't really you at heart. Yeah. What was the, what was that year? What I mean, what did you take from that year? That year was I, I got taken in really. So Doug's the the founder behind uh, a guy called Doug Scott is the founder behind Potential, and me and him always got on, and I, and I think he honestly took me in. It was a bit like a Batsy Dog's home. I think it was just like he took in a bit of a stray because uh, I wasn't going to go back to uni at that point because I I'd, I'd sort of. I'd gone down the rabbit hole into this whole other world of tech and startups. So I didn't feel like I needed to go back to uni or wanted to go back, really. So Doug took me in. I'd become fairly well-versed in the world of, of investment in the UK for, for, for early-stage tech startups. So I just started helping him out. I, th- I suppose I'd been hurt and wounded by my last experience and I kind of wanted to give back in some way I wanted to share my insight with other entrepreneurs or the founders I didn't want people to go through the same uh, make the same mistakes that I did I also had a bit of a chip on my shoulder about I suppose the the power dynamic in the relationship we'd had with our investors I wanted to help Doug, who I thought was a good, friendly investor, um, do something a bit different for for other founders and and provide founder-friendly capital. Yeah, it just wasn't me at heart. Like, I know I I wanted to build something myself and I just got bored of meeting other people building stuff. And also uh, quite disillusioned with what a lot of people were building. You know, met some amazing people building brilliant businesses that I felt like were re- deeply and, and really impacting whether the planet or society in, in a in a good way. And then other people that I just felt like were building businesses that didn't really need to exist, but may yeah. still raise lots of capital because they're they've got a high chance of of generating financial returns. And I suppose that upset me really on some level. It just kind of felt wrong it's like look we've got massive societal issues in our world yet you know pouring cash into businesses that are just helping us serve a better mobile ad to people i'm just like what it doesn't make any sense so i did get a bit uh, depressed to be honest and and started to really struggle with my mental health in that period because i think i was sort of I didn't like what I was seeing in the world of startups. And I think I saw yeah. the, the dark dark side to it a little bit or a dark side of it. And I wasn't in the right place. And I was still really hurt from my experience with my first business. So all of that was a bit of a concoction that led me to feel, um, led me to struggle with my mental health for the first time, really. Yeah, and that, and that does bring us to Sanctus. Um, 
And you mentioned a few minutes ago that your your original startup, you didn't feel like it was solving a problem. And there you've alluded to some some personal difficulties and, and Sanctus, well, you it, it states here, you know, your big vision is to put the world's first mental health gym on the high street and it's kind of to inspire people to work on mental health like we do our physical health. Is that I assume that's a fairly good snapshot of it, but do you want to kind of add some flesh to the bones there or I mean no, that's about it because like you said, my first business, I didn't have a problem that I was passionate about solving. And then I found myself with a big problem that I had no idea to solve, which was how I was feeling. I was struggling with my mental health. I didn't know what was going on, why I was feeling the way I was. I didn't feel able to talk about it. I didn't know where to turn. So I just landed on this humongous problem that I was facing and millions and millions of other people are or were as well. So I found a problem that I was deeply passionate about, both how it might impact my life and how I could selfishly solve my own problem and create a product and a brand and a business that I would want to engage with. And then I would also, yeah, have a, what I would hope, a positive impact on humanity as well. Um, Yeah, and that was the inspiration, really. Initially, it was like, I just, I want to get better. Like, it's as simple as that, to be honest. Like, I want to feel better. That was, that was really what I wanted. And I wanted to not only just feel better within myself, I wanted to um, kind of, I suppose, create this level of acceptance for myself and for others around how I had been feeling. You know, I wanted to just create more kind of connection and belonging around the you know just the human experiences that that I was going through and 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 many other people will and do pretty regularly. So look, is, is Sanctus and forgive these arbitrary terms, but the book kind of would appear to be almost like a B two B kind of style manual. Were you, were you looking at going into businesses and talking to them because it's it's quite a difficult thing, right, to to try and sell it to a to a in a traditional B2C way, I suppose, in terms of we can try and help an individual. I would imagine the route into this is to go through an organization to work with an HR department to make it a service for employees to engage with rather than any other way. That's what happened, yeah, really organically. So started off building a community, sharing my story, I suppose creating the brand of Sanctus and the ethos and the mission. And lots of people were drawn to that because it's a very different take on mental health, much more positive, much more proactive, much more warm and welcoming and engaging. Whereas I think a lot of the narrative around mental health is very clinical, very diagnostic, and that works for a lot of people, but it can also be quite affronting and put a lot of people off. It certainly did me. So this brand and this ethos around Sanctus was definitely very warm, welcoming, and engaging for a lot of people. And a lot of people were really drawn to it. Did lots of events, built lots of community, um, started creating group spaces that were well attended. And yeah, my mission and our mission was always to reach people, still is, always about reaching people and getting people to work on their mental health, like we do our physical health. That's always the mission, still is. Um, And really, it just got to a point of, well, how best do we do that? What is the most effective way of reaching people? And, you know, there's a time five years ago where I was like, right, is it, you know, how do I MVP you know, get into the place where we have our own studio and we could bring people in and it's very much a B2C like gym play. I quickly, you know, quickly realized that whilst possible would be extremely difficult to pull that off. Very low margins and very high cost. 
Um, and yeah, just organically got pulled into 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 the world of of work with HRDs, chief people officers, other founders really wanting to support their employees. And I suppose even five years ago, and this is accelerated even more now, just starting to see that the employer employee relationship is definitely changing, and the employer is is kind of taking a lot more on. You know, we're seeing it private medical insurance dental uh, even in china you know it's a big thing for employers to support the family of their employees so uh, we're really seeing like a developing relationship between employer and employee and employers taking on and bearing the cost of some mental health support was started five years ago and before that and is only continuing especially now through covid to rapidly increase you mentioned COVID. Coming back to the book, when did you when did you first kind of conceive of the idea for the book and start writing? Yeah, in COVID. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It was then. It was um. It was a bit. It's a bit of a wonky story actually because I I had an idea for a book which was very different. It was I wanted to, and I still do actually, but I haven't got a book deal for this one yet. I, I wanted to publish my early journal entries uh, mm. and share that journey of opening up because I'd be willing to do it. And I think it would be quite powerful to see the kind of inner workings of someone learning like what the hell their emotions are and how to verbalize them for the first time. It's an experience a lot of us go through. It's quite messy. It's quite scary. Uh, it can be quite exhilarating at the same time. So I wanted to, to kind of write them up and then sort of talk about that process of opening up, talk about the process of journaling as well, which can be very powerful, simply writing down your thought, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Um, so I pitched that idea to someone I met at Penguin, and they kind of liked it, but they basically came back and said, you're not, you're not famous enough, like no one's going to care, because <laughs> basically, which, which I thought was fair enough. Like they were like, look, if you were, you know, if you were some celebrity, they were like, I think people would really jump on this, but yeah, not now, basically. So I was like, fine. And then completely separately, about a month later, I got an email from another person at Penguin in a different department, um, at basically talking about the desire for a book about mental health in the workplace specifically. Mm -hmm. And then they'd flagged me as someone that, that would write it. And the person that I'd pitched knew this person had seen them on my website or something and said, Oh, I know James I think he's a good guy or whatever. So it's kind of a, a lesson in following something you're interested in getting knocked down for that. But then it led to something else. So yeah, I got approached. Um, I think it was early 2020, um, early 2020. And then really quickly just was like, well, yeah, I'll send it. I made up some proposal kind of on the spot, to be honest, and sent it over, got a yes, signed the contract. And look, the reason why I asked that is that the idea of of work has changed quite radically in the last 18 months. So writing a book called Mental Health at Work, I can imagine that as we've gone through this period of time, the interviews, the kind of the research is constantly shaping that, you know, the the, the evolving relationship that we were talking about between employer and employee. Yeah, I mean... What what serves me well, I suppose, is that my my approach and my belief toward around mental health in the workplace and mental health in general mm. is not to be prescriptive. 
is not to say this works and this will work for the test of time. If that was the case, someone would have done that 50 years ago and we'd all have this silver bullet magic pill. You know, we'd have this Bible that we all live by and we'd all be happy and content and whatever. So, you know, in, in writing the book, I very much wanted to, on a meta level in a way, make it clear that we have an ongoing relationship with work and our environment and we are we respond to our environment and we respond to changes in our environments so if you get a new boss right that will impact you in some way because your new boss might remind you of your ex-boyfriend who you think's an absolute knob and you know you might feel a certain way about it right or all these all these all these changes in our environment impact us and we respond to things differently based on our past experiences our nervous system, our brain, all this stuff. And that is men- that is mental health at work. So, you know, not to discount COVID and the impact of it, but fundamentally that's been a dramatic change in our environment and a dramatic change to our working life, which we are all having a response to, basically. Um, and that's what I kind of, it's that approach that I wanted to make clear in the book rather than this sort of, 10 10 step principle to how you just live a better life i just don't think that's ever going to work to be honest so the book was out on october the book is out on october 10th right not october 10th it's september 30th september 30th sorry i think i've october October the 10th is that october 10th is world mental health day that is coming out around that time yeah um and who would you say the book is a i mean is this a is this a guide that someone can have on the shelf that they reach for that if they think that they need something to kind of flick through and 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 find some support from? How would you pitch it to someone? Yeah, I would genuinely say that anyone with an interest in mental health who works would get a value from from the book. I I, re, I really believe that. I think any human on the planet could take something from learning more about mental health, hopefully resonating or not resonating with my story and maybe getting a bit more in touch with what your thoughts on mental health are because you might read my book and and completely disagree or have a strong negative reaction. And I've talked about that in the book. I'm totally fine with that. That's great. A response is great because that may then put you more in touch with what you feel and what you believe. And that's brilliant. Um, I think anyone would be interested in some of the case studies and the stories from other businesses and how other businesses are operating. And in particular, I think everyone would benefit from some of the content in the book about how to talk to someone comfortably about your mental health and how to talk to someone else about their mental health. Now, that's not a definitive guide, but I do believe there are some nudges and some sort of tips in there that anyone could could value. Now, you've got to have a You've got to have some interest in mental health to even want to pick it up. Um, so, yeah, I think anyone with some interest would would benefit from it. And in particular, though, managers, uh, people in people-facing roles and support roles, so any sort of manager, leader, people working in a team, HR, recruitment, talent, I think, I think yeah, it could be a really – a really strong tool for them to be honest and, and give some great guidance and support on how to make impact um, on how to really, ch- you know, create cultural change. That's what a lot of yeah. the book is about of how do we change 
just that culture at work. Every workplace, it's got its own culture. There are many sort of microcosms of society. And in each workplace, there's potential for for anyone to play a part in, in, in is ch- changing how we connect and how we are with each other. You know what, this might be the worst analogy in the world, but it makes me think of Heston Blumenthal's In Search of Perfection, which is impossible to follow. The recipes are bonkers, but there's one or two little nuggets in there that you go, ah, that's how to make my chili con carne slightly better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with a book, you know, it's, you could just read one sentence and that resonates and it kind of makes it worth it. I, I do think, I'd like to think that even having my book in your home, on your desk, it's got a beautiful cover. Like it looks brilliant. I, I love the way it looks. It's pink, it's blue, it stands out. It says mental health on the title. Even just having the book alone might just serve as a reminder for people to prioritize their mental health. You know, it might just be the, the it's the fact it exists is enough. So yeah, I would hope I would hope that's true. Um, yeah, look, I think it's been fascinating to chat to you this morning. Your journey is a really interesting one. I, I do wish you the very best of luck with the book. Um, this will be going out before it's out, so people can probably pre-order. I guess. Yeah, if you if you get your pre-order in before September thirtieth. Uh, it should arrive on on release day, so you get it on publication date. Uh, obviously, if you order it after that, it'll come um, as as would any any other product um, in terms of delivery and stuff. Uh, yeah, and you can pre order. You can order from Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, Foils, any major any major book retailer. Awesome. Look, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks a lot. I've loved it. Right. I know this isn't directly related to technology, but James is a founder who has worked in tech and therefore when he turns around and says there was a big problem that I didn't know how to solve I well we know for a fact that a lot of founders have been more open and are beginning to to say that mental health is tricky and and when you're running a company and scaling and you've got stresses like finance and and other people's careers in your hands it it's unsurprising that stuff can can get a bit much sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, when you put it like that, that just sounds, it sounds scary, doesn't it? Because I think we all get stressed out in our own jobs day to day. And that's without the responsibility of, like you said, budgeting and finance and other people's careers, you know, in your hands as well. So the pressure and the, yeah, just the responsibility must be so much that it's understandable that it's going to get on top of you and you're going to get, you know, you're going to start to sort of like feel a little bit down or depressed, as he sort of mentioned. Um, I mean, I, I think I said to you before, I really enjoyed this interview just because he's so open and mm-hmm. he just, I, I don't know, there's always a stigma around mental health, isn't there? And, and people are sort of reluctant to speak about it. And, and that's not because they feel like they can't, but sometimes it is, it, you know, it's just, it's painful or they can't, you know, they, they, they don't want to speak about it. But I feel like he's just so sort of open about it. He's very... Um, yeah just sort of like just transparent about the whole thing and just sort of speaks really from the heart so I think that's why people warm to him and I know that yeah. I mean it was only a you know short interview but I felt like I genuinely knew the guy come the end of the interview I felt like oh yeah I can relate to what he's saying there and when he was talking about the journal and the, the notes that he wrote down and trying to you know sort of make sense of all these sort of complex emotions I was like oh I feel like so many people would have been in that position and can yeah. relate to what you're saying so I, I don't know I, I feel like if the book is as relatable as what this conversation was, like 
it will just be so successful because so many people will be able to just yeah just just completely understand what he's saying and, and probably have been in that same situation themselves mm. yeah well look i mean that's the thing is it's funny that there's stigma around it because it is something that affects everybody i don't i don't imagine anyone alive ever in the history of humanity has gone through their entire life in a happy bubble 24 7 you know we're all on this scale at some point and so the stigma around it and especially kind of when it comes to men in particular um but you know the stigma around it more generally is is kind of crazy when you think about it it's it's societal and it's a construct that we've put around it because for some reason we feel we we feel that we shouldn't show vulnerability but we're all in the same boat yeah definitely and i think I mean, as you said, I mean, not being too sort of negative on a Friday morning, but it's, you know, everyone will, you know, life is, has challenges. It can be really painful at times. Obviously, of course, there's lots of positives as well, but, you know, things get thrown at you and, and naturally people will, would always have these kind of complex emotions. And like you said, it'd be, it'd be great if everyone was happy all the time, but it's just not the case. Like people, no. people do struggle with their mental health, whether it's, you know, to real extremes and they really are, um, you know, it, sort of in that really sort of negative sort of dark period for a long time or whether it be that, you know, they just have sort of blips or, you know, everyone's kind of on a different scale. Um, but I'm, I'm 100% sure that people at some walk in their life will struggle with this. So it's kind of a relevant conversation to have at any point because, you know, post-pandemic, obviously, you know, it's it's talked about an awful lot more. But even before the pandemic, you know, everyone's always had some sort of... Um, conversation around mental health and I'm just so glad that there's more conversation coming out off the back of the pandemic and and what we've all kind of experienced for the last 18 months and you know what it might seem really trivial but when he talks about I love the design of the book I think I think there's something in that right I, I think there's something to be said for you said that um I think you made the comment a minute ago that you know, make, making it more open, making it something that's kind of we, we're, we're comfortable talking about, which is which is what James finishes the interview on. And if there was a stigma around mental health and there was a manual about mental health that, we, you know, if you were ashamed of it, you would kind of imagine it would be a black cover and bound and something that wouldn't be on display. But the fact that it's got a lovely cover and James is excited about that says to me, he almost wants it to be like a coffee table book. Something that, you know, some of the nicest cookbooks, I make that ridiculous kind of analogy with a cookbook, but if you think about kind of Ott and Lenke cookbooks and stuff, um, they look amazing and they're the kind of books that you want to have out on display and you want to go, oh yeah, I'll just kind of flick through that because it's a lovely book, right? Um, maybe this is a terribly middle class thing to say like coffee table <laughs> books. I, I might sound absolutely bonkers right now. No, but there I, is I, that element that if, 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 there's a, if there's a really beautiful book that looks interesting and enticing and people go, oh, what's that? And it's out on display. That's almost like a reflection of the whole attitude that James wants people to have around mental health. Yeah. And I think that was, when he said about that, I thought it was so clever because like you say, why should it be a book that's kind of like shoved to the bottom of the shelf and that's hidden? It, it should be, you know, I'm here, I'm loud, I'm proud. And, and this is kind of the subject and this is what we're going to speak about. And like, we're going to address this. And I, I feel like, yeah, like you said, having such a bold cover just does exactly that. So yeah, he should be proud of the way that he's kind of designed it because, it, you know, it's it's kind of, it's not hiding away. It's not shying away. And, and, you know, it absolutely shouldn't do that anyway. But I mean, I have a lot of, um, 
I mean, I, I love the sound of this book and I might actually buy it because I have a lot of like mental health books. I read a lot of um, like Vex King, you know, his like healing is the new high. Um, a lot of Russell Brand, his like recovery books. Like I, I love kind of self-help books and a lot of them. And he made a point as well about like mental health being quite, the whole sort of concept being quite clinical. And I think a lot of those books, as helpful as, as they've been, their covers, if I think about them now, they're plain white. They just have the title there. Um, you know really simple obviously simple but effective but it's just very I don't know like they're just kind of shying away from from a really massive topic and I feel like if you are gonna take on that topic then you should do it in the way that he's done it like let's do it and just be so bold and open and um, yeah just just like just go for it kind of thing and like I say those books that I've got I used to sort of hide them away because they had words like mental health or recovery and things like that on them but they, they, you know, they shouldn't be hidden away. Like they're there, and you know, if you're sort of having to read them, and you feel like you need that in that time of your life, then, you know, I, I love the way that he's kind of gone about this. I, I feel like I beat around the bush a bit there, but basically, what I'm trying to say is, I think it's a, it's a cool cover, it's a cool concept, and I'm glad that he's just sort of going for it, like unashamed, just proud. Yeah, well, I think that people should Why say, you know, if, if, if they're in a good place in life, it might well be because they have confronted some of those demons that we all have, and kind of looked them in the eye and, and dealt with them and, and kind of gone, yeah, no, that's okay. That's part of life. That's part of me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It gives you that kind of clarity and not, not hide it away. And I think the more, the more that people kind of own that in the same way that James owned kind of the choices that he made in his career and, and learned from them, then, then you get to a better place. Yeah, definitely. And I just think this is why, again, I, I say, I really enjoy this interview because of his honesty, because he admits when he's sort of like made mistakes and he admits like that job wasn't for me and that wasn't me. And he's quite, you know, he's able to say that. And I think sometimes you have to kind of put your pride to one side and, and yeah, and just to kind of make those, um, yeah, just admit those things. And like I said, he was so honest and now he's probably at a place where he's like, you know, I care so, so passionately about what, you know, the company that I have and what we speak about and the topic and the conversation that we're creating. So that's why he's been so successful because there is that passion behind it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking to their website and stuff and I think that the whole idea is just so cool because mm. sometimes as much as a business will say, come to us and speak about your mental health and they, they create a really space, a, a safe space, sometimes it's, you don't want to speak to someone in your business and that's not because you don't trust them or you know, they're not doing a great job and they've not created that safe space, but it's more so just because you want to talk to someone outside of the business just to have yep. that, you know, sort of differentiate the two and not sort of like have them sipping over. And again, not that there's any shame if they were to sort of like tip over and become one and, and, you no, know, sometimes, sometimes with issues, you need a bit of distance from your everyday existence and everyone that you normally would talk to. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think, you know, if, if I went to someone in our HR department and, and they're all absolutely amazing, um, but you know, I would feel like, like you said, there's not that distance. And I feel like I would, I'm quite friendly with them anyway. So I'd feel like I couldn't really give my full self and those raw emotions. Like if I had a frustration with something that happened or someone in my team, I feel like I'd have to hold back a little bit. Whereas if it is a stranger and a complete outsider, you can completely let loose. And, and that's not to say that you're bad mouth in the company or anything like that, but it's just getting everything off your plate. So you have that clarity and you have that kind of peace of mind to be like right this was the issue this is how I feel this is why it's really eating me up and I I can't switch off or I'm getting really low or depressed or whatever yeah. and then you could just be like 
get it all off your plate and then be like, right, okay, someone's listening and, and engaging and yeah, then and then you just feel a lot better. Like I I mean, I'm quite open in the sense that um, you know, I don't really say this very often, but I, I've had therapy and I, I see this as a form of therapy and it it will help, you know, like if people mm. are unsure as to whether or not to go through that, like you know, talking to someone will absolutely help. So I'm, like I said, I'm so passionate about this as well. And I'm so glad that he's kind of come on the podcast and, and he's, yeah, just sort of like an advocate for this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. James, as you can tell, plenty of passion and, uh, and, uh, We're champion you, James. Yeah. Built here. So the book is out, as we said, you can pre-order it now, 30th of September, bit of a trailer for the podcast next week. I'm up in Leeds. I'm here for the Leeds digital festival, uh, interviewed festival director, Stuart yesterday, interviewed a company called tread who was super interesting yesterday, got three more interviews happening tomorrow. So we're going to throw a whole load of content at you from Leeds next week. See, not just London centric, uh, but this is going out halfway through Leeds digital festival. So if you're in Leeds or near Leeds, even, in Yorkshire, in Lancashire, maybe near up near in uh, Newcastle or Durham, um, and you can. Why not get along to some of the events that will be happening next week? The week beginning the what are we twenty fifth, sixth, seventh, twenty seventh of September. Um, but yeah, Amber, thank you very much for your time this morning. No worries. Thanks, Dave. Talk soon. Bye. I don't-